We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Well, good evening and welcome to another episode of the Eight Black Hands. This is what episode is this, y'all? This is episode one hundred eight uh, in the Black uh, Black Hands Eight Black Hands podcast series. We've been around for a minute, y'all. We have even exploded into being a um, a network. We have other shows, so please uh, share this show. Go to the Eight Black Hands on our Facebook uh, um, account and. Like and share this one. So right now we get more of your friends, aunties, uncles, cousins coming through the door to support this show. But you can also find our other shows there, too. We need all your 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 uh, retweeting and all of your support and all of your help to make the show grow. So welcome and good evening. Tonight we're going to talk about teachers unions. But before we jump in, I want to uh, just check in with my eight black hands. Homies, because, man, the world is getting a little bit um, fatiguing, I guess is the best word that I can come up with. So it's good for us to do these check ins on um, on uh, Sunday night. So, Charles, Dr. Cole, we're going to start with you. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. Uh, just been really busy. Uh, the indie report for all intents and purposes is done. It's embargoed. So that's cool. And the one that I'm doing around Chicago, D.C., um, Memphis, SAC, and Houston is close. And then just working on an article just around agency. So me and this book spent a lot of time together. Um, what but, book is um, that? It is writing your journal article in 12 weeks, man. It is. Um, mm, okay. Uh, I, I, I tend to be a fan of the journal of Negro education. Um, so I don't really like writing academically as much, but if I do, I want to do it for them. So they reached out. Uh, well, some folks reached out. So we, we're going to see how that goes, but my stuff will be around, you know, uh, centering in users of education, um, agency, stuff like that. So just a lot of writing. Um, and still just working on the other book, man. And hopefully the, the audio book will be out soon. So I've just been focused and grinding. Excellent. Uh, um, Sharif, how are you doing? We'll come back to you, Ray. It looks like Ray might, might be having some technical difficulties there. So, Sharif, how are you doing, brother? Good, man. Doing doing well. It was a good day today. Just as I told you, we just finished game night. With the with the squad, you know, coloring book, you know, Dr. Cole had dropped off some some uh, gifts <laughs> through the coloring book. So I was like, kids, you know, this is pretty tedious for Papa. They're like, good. Get to work. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's that's what we spent the last uh, minute doing. But, you know, so it's good. Looking forward to the week. Looking forward to the show. Good to see y'all brothers. Yeah, that's a good check in. Ray, brother, are you back in? Can you hear anything yet? No. Okay. So it looks like Ray is still working on uh, his Boost Mobile. Uh, oh, I thought phone. that was a new fret. So, so, I was so, like, dang, so, I didn't see that one before. <laughs> um, but we will come back to you, Ray. Let me uh, just flesh out the show a little bit and we can jump in. We come back to you, Ray, in a minute. So listen, if a year of the pandemic has taught us anything, uh, it is that now that we have our children at home and we're doing homeschooling, crisis parenting and crisis education, if it's taught us anything, it's just how much power teachers unions have and how much they hold over the administration of public education. The reason that I want to point this out is just to not do what I often do is beat this drum that the unions are a power and a problem within education. But this is more than that, because for many in the public, this is the first time that they have seen an expression, an expression, a clear political expression of the power of teachers unions. When it comes to ne negotiating and renegotiating the opening of schools, how much time, how many days a week, how far kids you know, apart they will be from each other, even during remote learning, how much synchronous instruction children will get. When it comes to all of these things, you would think that the leaders of education are clearly in charge, but they're not. They have to negotiate all of these things with their unions. And for many parents, I think this is the first time that they've had to encounter just how strong and resolute that power is in public education. So I want to talk about it tonight through this frame. There are four brothers on this show. All of us have had experience in districts and in schools with 
multiple different powers that be, one of which is the teachers union. All four of us have seen things in that time that have at times made us say, if the public only knew what really goes on behind closed door, this would be a totally different game. So I want to start just by talking a little bit about that. And then I want to eventually get to what are some practical tips that we have for parents on the outside to start forming a movement that bird dogs the districts and the powers that be so that you get an equal place at the table. And so districts have to negotiate with you in the same way that they negotiate with unions. How's that for a setup, brothers? Does that work for y'all? Okay, I see the yeah, thumbs does. up. Yep. Um, well, listen, let's start with the very first question. So we've all been in schools and in districts, and we've seen them from the inside. What are some things that you have seen that you think that if the public knew it, that if you ever said to yourself, if the public really knew how these things go down, um, there would be a sea change, or we would have more, more people interested in changing the way that schools uh, um, run. And Charles, I'll start with you mm-hmm. because you were in, you worked with the superintendent and I want to start at the top. Yeah. I like think what that you saw, saw in Oakland. I saw a lot. I saw how highly political it was. And I saw that, um, you know, sometimes people will sacrifice uh, certain groups to win political battles. And I think that that's just important to really know. And listen, you can hold unions accountable without, hating unions like I, I like again you can appreciate the great things that unions may have done in other realms and still be critical the same way i mean the same th- this we saw this with police unions over over uh the last year or whatnot and i don't think that the teachers union is exempt one example is there was a school um an elementary school that was a black elementary school that needed a lot of help and kids are not getting what they needed and our superintendent said you know what we want to attract the best teacher so we're going to actually pay we're going to to attract the best teachers. We're going to pay even more to come teach at this school. And the, the parents and data and research said that these kids are so behind that they would benefit from longer school days or they just needed more hours. So there was a plan for either extended school days, which a lot of parents wanted because it would have helped with, with, with child care and Saturday school. So they could have opted into one or the other, which we see a lot of our uh, our Asian brothers and sisters doing in certain cities where they have regular school and then they have Chinese school on the weekends or extended days. And that got killed. uh, That got killed like by union folks. We had teachers that was down for it. Oh, and also there would have been a bonus. There would have been a bonus for teachers that could demonstrate the highest growth of students that started at X and then to Y. And that was something that parents said they wanted, uh, that some educators were excited about and they wanted to take up that challenge. And then uh, there were some folks in those powerful ranks that said that they didn't think that that was fair. And before it could even get to a place of public discourse, like at a school board, it was gone. So, um, you know, the same. So, yeah, I'll stop there because I don't want to step on my own answers for later. But just understand it is a political climate and people log roll and people are trying to win favor uh, later on down the line. And and you just need to know again, you just need to understand what's at stake and how these things operate. And in that way, it's it's just very clearly that they're killing policy that might be good for kids. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, Sharif, what do you think, brother? I mean, what have you seen at the school level, even at the district level, um, that the public really doesn't get a view? They don't get to see it. Man, uh, it's been a few experiences that I've had, you know, both at the district and school level. That's just, I mean, it just wasn't cool, right? Like, so, and I've told this story before, but like, you know, it's still, I I think about it often, you know, um, where two union staffers, when I was, you know, downtown to be hired and and find out where I was going to be placed. And and, you know, uh, they didn't know that because I was a, you know, alt cert person, I came through an alternative certification program that they were already going to place me wherever, you know. Um, so I ended up at Turner Middle School. Um, but two staffers didn't realize that initially and called me over and was just like, look, young man, um, you know, we're we're the union, blah, blah, blah. We're, you know, representative. Uh, we represent the teachers, so on and so forth. And young man, don't choose. There was a big map on the wall and people were looking at them and it was several copies of it. And people were looking to see where they wanted to go. You know, um, and they said, don't go to an S school or a T school. <laughs> and I was just like, what's that mean? You know, they're like, if it starts with an S or it starts with a T, don't go there. 
you know, at the time I was just like, that doesn't make any sense. Like why, what difference would it make? What I would come to realize is there were several schools that began with S and T that were in poor black neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And they were basically telling me don't go, but this was after they say, we represent you, <laughs> you know? And I was just like, and I'm stubborn. So every school I worked at began with either an S or a T, right? Because, you know, like I'm not going to I'm not going to listen to your advice. Um, you know, you say you represent me, but I'm here because I signed up because I want to work with students. You know, like I'm leaving my law school track to come and work with the children that, that I, you know, that are being marginalized and things like that. But for the representation to try to ward me off. And that was like just the first window, first like understanding. And I was, of course, naive, 21, you know, 22 year old kid. Uh, But I I started to see a pattern. Uh, But that was like the first that was the the door. That was like my first experience with uh, my representation as a teacher was like, yo, don't work with those kids over there. And it just really it just really told me a lot, you know, Um, so. Every time I hear something like that, the same thing goes through my mind and it always has for all these years, which is I know that the parents and the kids in those schools are not privy to the idea that this is how people find out or how how people feel about them behind closed doors. It's Mm -hmm. like just it's it's such a 360 or no, I'm sorry, 180 (laughs) from from the the public persona. Ray, are you back, brother? Are you in in here? I think I am. <laughs> I think I'm back. All right, you going yeah, in now? Your camera's fighting with you, brother. You My sound camera. good. You sound yeah. Good. You sound good. So Ray, you know the way that we had set this up, we were on on the very first question of the night is just really around things that you have seen or heard that you know for a fact that the average person in the public does not know in terms of how teachers unions can exert power internally. Yeah. So man, it's funny that we should be doing this episode. Again, <laughs> oh, but man, hey, the teachers union all powerful, bro. Uh, when I was working in Baltimore City, I was a union rep for uh, for teachers that should not have been in front of kids at all. Period. Um, and so, man, just 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 thinking about just the amount of people that I had to represent because you know you have to do something special in order to lose your job mm-hmm. in, uh, in in public schools, and I, I don't think that a lot of people really understand that. And so. Um, you know, and knowing that, you know, just working on side of people that I knew shouldn't have been in front of kids, it always gave me anxiety or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Because like, you know, I always look at, I, I look at these situations like, well, you know, would I put this person in front of my child, right? And so, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> and so that's mm-hmm. that. I think that's how folks need to make their hiring decisions, especially if you're if you're on the level to where you can determine what the staffing is going to be in your building. You need to think in terms of like, man, would I put this kid? Would, would I put this person in front of my own child? And if you wouldn't, then that should uh, that should definitely drive your spirit in terms of who you're putting in your kid in front of your kids. So I'll open it up to y'all and just say this. Um, if I'm a lay person on the outside, I'm thinking, why y'all teaching? Why are you talking about teachers unions? Like, like they're powerful though in this way, because you have, I elect a school board. Um, they hire a superintendent. That's the person who has the real power in your district, right? Like your, your superintendent is the person that leads things. Like it's the boss's boss It's the boss of the teachers really. Um, so why would that why would that not be an accurate take? Well, boss of you said boss of teachers, boss of teachers is not going to be the superintendent. The boss of the teachers is going to be the principal. And then mm-hmm. the principal, the principal reports to the superintendent. So if you're talking about the person that's directly in charge of uh I mean, so so there's a lot of layers in terms of like, because I mean, you know how this works, right? It's like however many people we can get in the building that's going to allow us to collect union dues, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's pretty much like how it works. So like, you know, you'll have department chairs that fall under union rules as well. And so teachers will report directly to department chairs or they call them ISTs in, in Baltimore City. Um, and then you got your assistant principals and then you got your principals and then those folks report to central office, right? So you'll have an assistant superintendent or something or whatever. And then, you know, so there's, so there's like, there's not that many people that, that work, that, that report to the super, the, the actual superintendent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, so I get that, but when, when it comes down to things like parents being very frustrated 
about how much learning time their kids are getting or about wanting to go back to school, for instance. And they're being told, well, well, we're negotiating this with the teachers. Like, I think for some people, that's a that's a weird thing to say, because they're, they're like, what do you mean you're negotiating? You're the superintendent <laughs> and you're the you're the school board. What do you mean you're negotiating? Open the damn schools. Right. I think even affluent parents are learning for the first time that it don't work like that because affluent parents are getting really upset right now with all the negotiating about how much time their kids will get. Um, I mean, is it just obvious what they're missing? They're just missing the power. They're missing the real political power behind the scenes that teachers have. I mean, I think it's a bit of, it's a few different things, right? I think that when we talk about this, you want to talk about it in a certain type of way, right? Where, okay, teachers are on the side and they're advocating for students and families always, right? That's the way I think a lot of families kind of see it. And maybe some are, I don't know, right? Like, I, I don't, like, I don't think that they're just everybody in that union is evil or whatever the case is. I've seen teachers try to push against their union and, and, and it's really powerful. But I think also a lot of people don't really understand what a union's job is. Like you got to start there. Like one of my best friends was the, was the vice president for um, the, the NBA players union, right? Like their job is not the fans. Their job is not the owners. Their job is to make sure those players get what they're supposed to get. And so a union's job is supposed to make sure that the people that pay their dues are supposed to get like certain things or whatever. So that means that if you do something foul and you about to get fired, that means that your union rep is going to tell you to sit down and shut up and we're going to run out this case and try to find a technicality to keep you here. It is you. That's not to say that students and parents are not talked about in those spaces, but <laughs> there is an order of business that happens. You know what I mean? The same way when you talk about a police unions, the police unions job is to protect those police officers. And sometimes that stuff is counter to what the actual community needs. And you can call that out and you can ask to be there. So, I mean, I think that that's the first realization is that you are playing under a different assumption of rules than the actual rules in the game. And anytime you show up to a poker game and you want a different set of rules, you're going to be the person that's leaving with no money. So I think that that's what people need to understand. Do research on what teachers unions do and what they have power over. Because here's the other thing. They use their classroom as a bully pulpit when something's about to come up around collective bargaining. You know what I mean? When in Oakland, it was a lot of students that I ran into on them picket lines that was like, could tell me what all the lines from the union line by line, but wasn't able to, 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 to score what we needed them to score as far as that English and that math was concerned. And again, this ain't about the test. We talk about the test scores because we know what the results of that is going to be for the students that we advocate for before people try to twist our words around. So I think it's just a bit of what is your starting ground versus where they're actually starting at. I think that's the thing that you have to just, that, that's, that's where you have to begin. You know, I think that's a good piece of advice across the board, though, because people don't know what superintendents do necessarily all the time. Um, I've worked with school board candidates who had to actually help the public understand what a school board actually does. Mm -hmm. So when they're asking for your vote, they actually have to educate you in the process of this is what the superintendent does. This is what I want to do as a school board member. Uh, And I don't think everybody knows that. That's not common knowledge of what they do. do you think it's becoming obvious, though, when you see things like two of the, the national teachers unions are fighting hard to have testing uh, canceled for the year? Mm-hmm. They're fighting hard to not go back to school until they're ready, until they want to. They're fighting with the Biden administration behind closed doors, but it's bubbling out into the press now that um, that they're kind of slow walking the return to school. Do you think that this is these are the type of things that are going to get more people in the public interested and and coming around. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it really depends. You know, I, th- I think it always depends on the context and and, you know, uh, wherever you are. Right. Like so there were some school districts that were trying to open, but teachers hadn't been vaccinated where there were mm-hmm. groups of teachers that said like, hey, I'll come. 
but I, I want to be vaccinated. And the governor, you know, we're like, yeah, y'all not y'all were essential workers, but now y'all got demoted. Y'all are no longer essential workers. So we're not vaccinating you, but come back to work. Right. Like so it's all kind of it's just layered stuff, man, all the time. Um, and when you when you look at families and stuff, you know, I, I think at least in some of the communities that I've heard, community schools that have uh, spoken to their leadership, it was like most of the families said we would come back as long as it's safe. Right. And so. Mm-hmm. You know, so if if I'm a if I'm in the union and I'm hearing that, then I'm you know like, well, what's the safety guideline? What me what defines safe, right? And so I think some of it, like I I mean, look, the last eleven years I worked at a school and it, there was no union. There were just a bunch of adults that had common sense that could you know uh, try to figure things out, right? Like and you know, and I think a lot of times it's you know, it's almost like oh, join this lockstep respond in this way we're all going to have this thing and listen i have nothing wrong with being organized like that is Mm -hmm. you know that Mm -hmm. is crucial and i think if folks in supervisory positions weren't always trying to be oppressive in so many different ways then things may look differently but a lot of times you the oppressed learn their best lessons from their oppressors and so then you see them just passing it on and i think unfortunately you know right now you know you see a lot of times when it's not about you know uh, trying to be just. It's about like, oh, mm-hmm. what can we do? What can we get? Um, instead of really looking at the uh, ultimately, you're there for so even even if the union is like, I was on the building committee, so I was part of the union leadership at my school. I couldn't be in that position without thinking about my my students. Like, I just mm-hmm. that's still just a foreign concept to me. Although I understand that that's in the playbook, we should get that brother that was actually in that union leadership. I forget his name in D.C. Um, Oh, I know who you're talking about. That's why. That's uh, why. Yeah, like he got the real uh, stories. You know what I'm saying? I mean, ooh, I got a bunch. Oh, how am I gonna forget his name now? He's been with us before, hasn't he? No, no. We need to get him though. Oh God, what's his name? Now this is gonna be terrible. He worked with Michelle Reed. He was the union president. That was fine. Can't hear you. You, you. can't hear you, Charles. Oh no, no I just said it's gonna be one of them shows. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> and we, and we almost halfway through. <laughs> you know, like, listen, so I do have a question about we, we've established that unions have power. We've established that if you're on the outside, you won't see it as much. Um, so if you are if I, I marvel at the number of people like us who won't tell the truth publicly, who have seen actually uh, teachers unions actively kill things that are good for kids, kill bills, kill rules, kill proposals. Um, we want to mainstream kids that have been wrongly put in a special ed. No, we don't want that as teachers unions. So we're going to tell the public that you're you're running a Jim Crow junior program to put these kids back in regular mainstream classrooms because we don't want them there. Right. Even though the plan itself was actually to to make things more humane for those kids, what they tell the public is something totally different. Plan gets killed. Now those kids aren't mainstream and they should be. Actually, Um, we've seen it here in Minnesota right now. They are actively passing rules at the state level. Teachers unions are, are working that will decimate the number of teachers of color that we have. I just spoke with a brother last week here in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. who told me we have 352 black male teachers out of 65,000 in Minnesota. Damn. <laughs> and this bill, these bills that the teachers unions are pushing will give us even less than 352 black male teachers out of 300 and or out of, I'm sorry, 65,000. Those are the type of things that drive me crazy knowing privately, but the public not knowing not right. being able to see it. Listen, you know, I, you, know, you don't know, like I came through this program, Concerned Black Men, uh, Cheney University, first HBCU and the School District of Philadelphia, yeah. right? Like they had a program where they would recruit black men, get them support, get them coaching. You know, my coach was uh, Yvonne Savior, Pennsylvania, black woman, Pennsylvania Teacher of the Year um, for, for 93. And guess why that program ended? The union took them to court and said, wow. you're recruiting black men like that's discriminatory. <laughs> like, mind you, like your mouth was shut as, it, you know, white women were just like, you know, the, the numbers were growing and growing and growing. You know, mum's the word. You know, they got, you know, my, my class probably was like less than 50, man. It was probably like 20 something. <laughs> 
ended up in court, man, and had to shut it down because it was discriminating because they had black men. The union union took the district to court to stop it, to say like, no, you know, you can't tell black men to come teach. That's discriminatory against our member. Like what? The reason reason why I'm laughing is because y'all always coming after these white women. Right. And and, and y'all got to stop this. Y'all got to stop it, man. Like, yo, y'all got to get somebody canceled on this show. I mean, the head of the union at that time was a white man. So I, you know, like, but I I would say this. I mean, and I hear you, right? I, I think less than people, right? Like, I don't love any system. So again, I'm not about to care for a traditional system, a charter system, private system or whatever. It should be about our people. And if the system is not serving our people well, then they got to go or be altered. Right. And I think that was the situation that we had a lot of smoke and heat for the police union this year, last year. And a lot of before that, a lot of people wouldn't say nothing about the, the uh, that union or whatever. What I'm saying is nobody is above reproach and there are no permanent enemies and there are no permanent friends. If you if, if at some point the teachers union is actually one of the biggest advocates for the end users of education, which is the terminology I use in my company and how we built that out with energy converters, which is students, their parents and their community. Right. If, if, if there's a situation where the union is actually going super hard for that and that's what the people say, then I'll stand with you and I'll rock with you. But like these systems have not necessarily served us as a whole. And if you even go to the beginning of unions, right, what they did is they protected white people from black people coming in and taking those jobs. You know what I'm saying? It was very hard in the beginning of unions uh, for black people to kind of get, you know, what they needed. When all those... All those stipends and all those subsidies were given out for people coming back from the war, from people that had these jobs at Ford or wherever the case was. Right. Black people were not promised those same houses, even though that was the government. But when Ford and all these other like factories came in, black people weren't actually protected. That's not to say that unions haven't done good things for our people like we got to We can walk and chew gum. You know what I'm saying? As a people. Right. And what I'm and all I'm saying is. What is serving your child and your family best? If it's that traditional school and you got and you in there, all we trying to do is say, look, here's what happens at that union meeting. You should probably ask to be around. It. You should probably ask for that agenda. You should probably ask if there. Oh, there's no comment. Oh, because it's not a public meeting. OK, cool. I think. And again, I know we kind of out of your order, Chris, but I was going to say this. Yeah, we should all get the there. demands. I mean, but yeah. yeah, all the all the demands that there are on charter schools and charter systems. I love them. Put them on them. And. Apply them to your union too. They work both ways. Well, this is the problem with you saying that. This is the problem with you saying though, like the different. Um, wait, the wait, different Ray, Ray was waving his hand. You, you don't. Th- yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm gonna come back to him. I'm gonna come back to him. I want about to, to, okay. it to him. But when you say these different systems, because you did jump in there, you say you're not caping for any of these systems. Mm-hmm. Um, charters and private schools don't have that system. They don't have a labor, a well-pronounced long-term right. loyal opposition internally that stops them from doing things, which is the reason why people want to start charter schools and private schools is so that they don't have some third party telling them, no, you can't open before you know eight o'clock. You can't open a building or you can't do X, Y, or Z. So Ram, kicking it back to you, brother. Uh, yeah, we so we, I'm, we, I'm we both jumping. got in your queue. Yeah, I'm not jumping in on that, but I wanted to <laughs> jump back on when I got skipped after Reek's answer from before. So yeah, I mean, there was nothing. There was nothing else to say after I answered. So he dropped like, the mic. Go ahead, Ray. Go ahead, Ray. <laughs> I think the people in the audience should be telling you that, not yourself. But all right. So uh, in California, man, the teachers. So 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 we have the folks that. You know, they're not in the classrooms because they're like, oh, well, I want to be vaccinated when I get into the classroom. Right. But then you have this new group of people that are like, hey, I don't want to be vaccinated. Right. And and that becomes a union problem because now it's like I'm not going back to work because I don't want to be vaccinated. Then throw some stats in there. Right. So, uh, you know, seventy nine point three percent of teachers are white. Nine point three percent of teachers are Hispanic. 7% 7% of teachers are black, and that includes 1.7% of teachers that are black males, 2% of teachers are Asian. But if you put something up on Twitter that's anti-union, you would think that the amount of folks that were the majority were the black people. Because, <laughs> yo, I mean, I, it's, it's an unpopular take, but the way black folks cape for that union, like they don't see it, like they don't see the damage that's being done to their own kids. Why do you oh, think that is, Ray? Why do you I, think that you know, is? I, you know, I can't. I can't call it, man. I can't. I can't call it for the life of me. But one thing that I can say is that there's two things that can be true, right? You can be pro teacher 
and anti-union. Mm. <laughs> That's the same shit. <laughs> That's redundant, bro. That's kind of like... Yeah, it's, it's two different concepts. <laughs> I think that's redundant. I think that's saying the same shit. But but no, honestly, take a stab at it. Why do you think that, like, uh, Black folks love them some teachers unions sometimes? Like, 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 are afraid to say anything contrary to what they will say? <laughs> I think it's, it may be job security. You know, you don't want to be on the outside looking in in these schools that are majority white because you're already isolated. And so, you know, I, I don't know if it's, it's for job protection, uh, but just me alone, like my conscience wouldn't be able. So like that, I was a troublemaker in my school, man, when I was a uh, union protected, allegedly or whatever. Like it's just if it if it wasn't pro student, then it wasn't me. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, the same conversation that Reef is having about, you know, it, it, things that happen that are just like anti kid. It's like. I'm not going to allow you to spirit them any kids or whatever. I'm not going to allow you to persecute any families or whatever. And it's a lot of that shit that's going on now. And like people will have closed conversations about it or whatever, but they're not having open conversations about it. It's kind of like, it's, it's, it's kind of like in the hood, like the, the, the stop snitching movement or whatever. Like that's, that's, a, it's the same thing that you see in schools in terms of like, don't you know, put like, that on the hood, bro. That is a police culture these, thing. Don't put that on the hood. How do you, uh, all right, I'm gonna stop. <laughs> Charles, were you gonna jump in with a whiskey take on why black folks take for unions? No, I, just, I just was gonna say, I mean, everybody don't get treated the same, right? Like, you might have a different experience if you in a union in Iowa somewhere versus if you in a, in a union in New York City, right? Like, I don't, I don't know what your experience is, right? I think that there's been a lot of times where people said this thing is like really bad, but I got treated well, right? So I'm like, I, that's not really my experience. I think that that's one. I think two, I think that like there is this mentality of we kind of all in this together. But I can tell you from experience, like our union didn't protect a lot of black teachers. Our union let go of a lot of black teachers and our charter schools picked them up. We have some really amazing like black male teachers that are in charter and are in private schools because they, they didn't get to two years in a day. Um, and, and, and there wasn't really much explanation that union didn't step in when that black male teacher got put in that black elementary school, but they sent all the kids that they deemed a problem to that person, or they continuously disrupted his class or did not give him proper instruction or did not give him proper coaching. You know what I mean? Like that happens so, so much. And I think I shared with y'all a long time ago, uh, one of the, one of the science, one of the articles that actually talked about that around a lot of black male educators and black female educators catching their second win in alternative sectors, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, and maybe some of these people have been, you know, there's the other thing though, right? If you are in a union that don't have a lot of black people and you and you the black person, you might be getting treated really well. You know what I'm saying? You might be promised some type of power position, right? I don't really know. Um, but I, I, I think it can be different in different places. I don't know if there's a blanket answer, um, but I do know that union didn't mean much if you wasn't at your two year part and you was a, a black dude uh, in Oakland. Yeah, you know, teachers unions like to talk about history a lot of times. They like to talk about, you know, um, tests tests have their, you know, their roots in eugenics and uh, and charter schools are the polite cousin of uh, of vouchers, which are segregation, like have their history in segregation academies. They don't tell you that seniority has its roots in white supremacy, that actually seniority as a concept was a, a, it was used to grandfather in white workers when the unions were negotiating with Johnson, the Johnson administration during the Equal Rights, Equal Opportunity, uh, Employment Opportunity Rights Act and, and the war on poverty stuff and all that. The unions weren't gonna come along with him so the way that they appeased the unions was that they told them it would be uh, it wouldn't impact the white workers at all. They wouldn't lose their position at all. And the black folks would come in underneath and behind because of seniority. And actually, Herbert Hill from the, the NAACP actually went hard on the unions for like a decade about seniority because it was really just a tool to make sure that black folks were always last in, first out. Right. Um, And that white folks. So that's just like a little aside. I think one of the reasons our people don't have the right attitude about unions all the time is because depending on what class you are in. And and Charles, this is probably kind of along piggybacking on what you just said. Um, If you are middle class and you are working for the unions, for one, that's straight up your pension. 
right? So it's, it's just a straight up class play. If you are in one of the schools where you feel like you're being treated halfway decent because you're in one of those island of privilege schools, it gives you another reason just to be with them and to join them. If you are in the lower class, the underclass, the working class and schools where that unionism is being used to cut you off from programs and get kids out of classrooms where they belong and all types of other things, then maybe you have a different opinion about the unions. Maybe it's just a, it's a straight up uh, class thing. I don't think, um, thing, bro. I don't think you don't. I don't think you can have a conscience. I don't think that you yeah. can have a conscience, right? And, and, and work with black and brown students, see them struggle, see family struggle, and just see this struggle and be pro union. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't okay. think so, so. I think I think. Damn, I don't want to. I, I, I take it off me. I, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, whatever you say right now, let people know it's Doctor Cole that's saying it. Even though he's not listening, he's all up on his phone drinking whiskey and shit on a different show. Um, 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 go ahead, say it, and we're gonna put. We're gonna say that Doctor Cole said it. So, so yeah, 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 you wanna do that? Um, well, listen, this is where I was going. Chris, with, for the with, record, I'm going over yeah. my notes for your show. That's all. Yeah, this is all right, whatever. Your show. Whatever. You, you over there tra- trading Bitcoin during the, during the show. Um, Bitcoin, Bitcoin was down earlier today. I know, but you know what isn't? And we ain't going on that show right now, but but Polkadot is not. Polkadot is up. So get you some Polkadot, folks. Um, where I was going with this question, too, though, was really, um, why did it seem like we were we lack so much power over these last few months and renegotiating as the president's negotiating with the unions as districts are negotiating with them i kept hearing a word that parents are frustrated that word kept coming up and i was like you're only you you usually only frustrated when you have no power mm-hmm. like when you're in a situation and you don't feel like there's any ability for you to change that but we elected the people who are negotiating uh, to reopen schools or to get us more more school time uh, for our kids. So where's the frustrating factor? Like, what's the, help me understand the lack of I power. think the biggest part, the biggest problem is that's the whole thing. Like, if if the people who are representing parents in any situation, including this school openings, if the people that are supposed to represent families are that far away from the situation, <laughs> you know that it's hard to be represented by people who are not you know, with you. Right. Like, and so Mm -hmm. if anything, parents have to be organized themselves so that they can represent themselves. Right. Somebody from that, you know, that school, that district like that, that's, that's what's needed. Right. Instead of like, well, you, you elected this person or you elected that person and they're advocating, but they're, they're so far away from your situation. Like, are they really going to go hard on where your child goes if their child is in a private school and fine or got their pod or whatever, right? You you brought up a class issue. I think that's really important uh, point because who actually represents parents and students? You know, like, and not, I'm not talking about the individual. I'm talking about like systemically who mm-hmm. represents mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, you can find individual, you know, like the individuality of it. And you find folks who are fighting a good fight. You can find caucuses within the union who will be clashing with the larger body. Right. And saying like, no, y'all not y'all not standing for justice. Y'all not doing this. Y'all not doing that. And trying to hold them accountable. But ultimately, families have to be organized and they have to make those demands that they want. They have to show up with their papers saying like, yo, here's what we want. Here's what we're demanding. Um if not, I, okay, I just, but let, I let's just test this for a second. Let's test this. The parents of Los Angeles, the rich parents of Los Angeles mm. are trying to put the screws on the district to do what they want to do. And I think it's the first time that they've ever dealt with a loss. Like it's the first time they've had to take an L on something like they're showing up like, like, what do you mean? We don't have the power to reopen our things or blah, 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 whatever. This is new to them. Right. Mm. And I think it's because they, they, they always knew that the, the teachers union in L.A., had power, but that power was never used in a way that the that the wealthy had to deal with. Like the wealthy, I mean, I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna put it out there. I think a lot of people have discovered they don't like their kids very much. So, so this idea that you, that you sending them home and you keeping them home, there's a lot of people that are like, listen, I pay my taxes, so that okay. I don't think that's true. I don't you don't think, think that's, that's true. No, I think it's a lot of people like, listen, I pay my taxes and I need y'all to open these damn schools. And I, I, I have a million dollar house. Damn school, damn school, damn school, damn school, damn school, damn school. Ray, I don't know what Ray off the thing, man. That's a bad DJ. Hey, Mr. DJ. Yeah, that was demonic, man. I, um, I, well, I was, was going to say it was deep. 
That threw me off, bro. <laughs> me too. But demonic. It was my voice. <laughs> it just it just had this different sound, and he was frozen. It was it was wild. And I started. I was like, maybe I should put this in a way. Uh, <laughs> just me hearing it. But I. But um. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know if people always recognize the power that they have. Again, you you can starve in the desert if you don't know that you got some food. You know what I'm saying? Like if you got food and you don't know about it. I think that. Um, Listen, man, power is something that we just don't talk enough about. I think we used to. And there's actually an amazing uh, interview with uh, Elaine Brown from a, from not that long ago where she's really talking about power and she's talking about it around the police. And she was talking about she was upset that people stopped calling. Them. She wasn't upset, but she pointed out that you stopped calling them pigs and you start calling them these other oh, things. Yeah, I saw that. And it was a really powerful piece. And I think it actually mm-hmm. resonates mm-hmm. in this conversation was their thing was just call a thing a thing. You know what I mean? Like the thing is the thing. Like if you keep trying to soften the blow and soften this stuff. And, and I think that when we're talking about your children, I think that it is um, I think it's tantamount that 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 you just call it a thing. Don't let people soften the language. What is it? Is my child going to be safe? Is my child going to be educated? Because as long as you can hide behind the cloak of poverty and say that I can't teach these kids because they're in poverty. Like, I think that that's a lie from the piss of hell. Mm-hmm. I think that that's when you teach harder. I think mm-hmm. that I, I think that I was hungrier because of how poor I was. And I'm not somebody who was pseudo poor or cute poor or uh, pseudo traumatized. Right. Like I had acute traumas. You know what I mean? But I was very driven to kind of get out of there. And the Chris, the only thing I'll point I'll push back on. I don't know if it's so many people not liking their kids, but a lot of the parents that we talking about work jobs that jobs have opened back up but they don't they they can't stay at home right so it's like <laughs> i got to go back to work i like my job can't come home with me you know what i mean and i got to figure something out and i think that that's the part where this is where the vice grip gets tighter because the same thing that these people keep railing against, which is poverty, they're using the impoverished nature of many of these kids and families that they are trapped in as a reason to not do their job, which further is perpetuating these people being poor. If I got to get fired because I got to be home with this child when everything else is opened up, mm-hmm. but you saying mm-hmm. it ain't safe mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. and you doing it on my back, but mm-hmm. I got to lose that job. That's really hard for me to get anyway then come on, man. That's not really helping the community, is it? Oh, and by the I, way, <laughs> and by the way, they have pictures of the Berkeley Teachers Union president who said all that it's not safe or whatnot. And then they followed him and they got video of him dropping his daughter off at a private school. Yeah, man. Uh, during yes. the day. And it's like, well, wait a second. Now you the union president. You told us it wasn't safe. He, he did. Talk, he wasn't. Again, he wasn't talking about his kid. He wasn't talking about his kid. <laughs> He, he said it's not safe for my membership to be with your kids. Yeah. Like that's what yeah. he, he he came back and said his kid was pre-K. So and there are no district schools that can take his kids. So like he had all these kind of reasons and excuses, but it's like yeah. mm-hmm. it should still be there. It should still be the same thing. Now I'm tripping. Hold on. You know, it's, it's, it's like, okay. no, you didn't freeze. We got you still. Um, and here comes Ray back again. Boost mobile. Make your payment, bro. Like do it right now. Yeah. Uh, um listen. I want to get us to a point of solution. So we have started out by talking. There's solutions in this show. Well, well, wait a second now. Wait a second now. You've been gone so long. You you just missed the, the, the bulk of all the brilliant things we just had to say. What are you talking about? You're on a different show. Um, anyways, you know, we start out by talking about, listen, there are things that you don't know as the public that we know because we've seen it. We've seen it behind closed door. Now Ray is swatting at fruit flies that don't exist and stuff. In there. Uh, we started out by saying there's stuff that goes down. You should pay attention. Our second question was around why do you think we don't have adequate power to be able to to at least do the minimum of no, 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 no. you're going to reopen the schools. Right. Like like we have critical mass of parents. We have a critical mass of people in a city saying this is what everybody wants. What do you mean you can't? negotiate to open them. It doesn't make sense to anybody. I want to go to the third part of this, which is the last part, which is what are the solutions Mm -hmm. uh, for parents that are practical every day where we can start developing power within our districts um, to be able to, to, um, to be able to push back or to push forward when we need to on important issues 
that matter to our kids? Yeah, man. Um, I think that there are a few. I think that um, one is parents like we should actually be having ways for parents to learn their power. Actually, if you are a patron, if you are if you're a part of our Patreon and you're a patron, I dropped in a training. Right. That actually puts power back into the hands of parents to help them understand the science of reading. Right. It wasn't something super crazy, but it was something to put into your toolkit. And I think the same is true around there should be parent seminars around how teachers unions work, how how administration works, how private schools work, how mm-hmm. charter schools work. I think mm-hmm. I think education, more education for our people and how to equip them with those tools is very important. The other thing is I think we need to bring in black communities, we need our community epicenters back in. And, and, and that used to be the black church or a synagogue or or the mosque or whatever. But in some towns a long time ago, the church used to broker its power conversations where they would have the mayor, they would have the superintendent, the union people, whatever. And they would come and, and, and people in that town would all come to this church and they would just have town halls and, and the church would make sure and they would referee. But it was a way to keep these things, uh, to keep these things in check, to make you actually. Charles, have Charles you think they still got power like that? Hell no. no. I you think the church is still a thing? Is the church still a thing? It depends. It depends where it is. I think so. I think. I think it definitely. Did you see? On where you did you are. see the the Lil Nas X video? I, I seen it. So, yeah, <laughs> but that's, that's one person. So no. let me. I can give you. Let me give you an example. So yeah. we. So I put together a series of Saturday conversations with the superintendent. Like I went to Denver, looked at how they did it, but I wrote that up with the superintendent. And what mm-hmm. we did is we chose as much as we could to not do them on school grounds. We chose community epicenters. We chose places that had a lot of respect. So we did meetings in churches and we did meetings at like youth and community centers and the community helped police those spaces. Those spaces never got out of order. Those spaces made sure that there was straight talk and we would invite in board members or whomever. Right. And, and people would have to hold account in front of the community. And sometimes we would have upwards of 250 people there or we would have 50 people, you know, and both were good for different reasons because our superintendent could actually look people in the eye and say, this is my plan. That's how we got to that elementary school and that community saying, we want more hours. We want these teachers to be competitive. We want bonuses for who can get it right. That came out of a community piece and the union was there nodding their head and then behind closed doors, they closed it off. So actually, I think there is a lot of power there. You ain't got to be religious to come to the epicenter and respect that community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you mean uh, the power's there, but you're not saying that it's on them to do it like for their parishioners, but to do it for the community. Yeah, I'm saying do it for the community. And what yeah, I'm saying exactly. is that religious figures or the youth, the person who's ran the youth center for 40 years or Miss Johnson that everybody knows. Right. Like you need a broker. You need a peace mm-hmm. broker that is there because just like as a kid, it's certain thing. I might go off on you in the school building. I'm probably not going to do that in the same way at the church that my great grandmama went to. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I think it's it's just it's just making sure that these people have to actually come into a community and talk mm-hmm. that shit. You know what I'm saying? So, oh, so tell me all this stuff y'all did at that board meeting. Let's talk about that now. What does that mean? What does that mean for my child? What are you going to do? You know what I'm saying? And then you had other people there. So. People got education in a moment where I want to move my child or I want to put my kid in homeschool. It was always somebody in the crowd that knew about homeschool. It was always somebody in the crowd that knew how to get scholarships for, for, you know what I'm saying? And then you got community people sharing because that's the thing. Parents are very, very powerful, but if they don't know that they, if they don't know how to harness that power, they might as well not be. And I, and I think that we have to do more to make sure they know how to use that. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly, you know, um, I, I 100 percent agree with with Dr. Cole, you know, that whole idea of like who represents, you know, the families like that power within the community and where it doesn't get so far removed, like they are in it. So I, I agree. Faith based uh, institutions, community based organizations. Right. Like where they're saying, like, hey, here's what families are saying. Here's what. And, and you're accountable. Like. At the end of the day, if we're not organized, if families aren't organized, if they don't have a lever, like at the end of the day, you got to be able to and and sorry, it's just crass, but you got to be able to threaten whoever it is that you want uh, something from. (laughs) And so that's not crass, bro. But if you don't have I mean, because, you know, people like, oh, it should be like this peaceful. If you how are you going to be peaceful without justice? You know, like there is no power in not being a credible threat. Yeah. And so if you can't threaten somebody with something, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. how do you protect it? Like that's that's mm-hmm. the ability mm-hmm. to protect your child. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. Like and it has to be. And I'm not when you say threat, it doesn't always necessarily have to be a sucker punch, but it has to feel like it. Whether it's political sucker punch, economic sucker punch, you got to be able to give bolos out to make sure that folks know like, yo, that's the line. 
Don't cross yeah. the line. Hey, if you're um, a partner, don't cross the line. Sherry Lucas Hall, leave me alone. Like, I, I got the- No, no, stay with him. Stay oh, with him, sis. <laughs> stay with him. Oh, she, she's saying that Ray has been too quiet tonight. Uh, Sherry, he has not been too quiet tonight. He just didn't pay his cable bill. So he keeps going out because he's using like some, some 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 sort of strange technology for once. Now, Ray, the floor is yours, brother. All right. Just, so, just you jump in. So with the floor being mine, here's the deal, right? So like a lot of, we don't talk about this a lot, right? But we know that it happens. White folks do it all the time. It's this thing, it's called zip code choice. Right. And so what I mean by zip code choice. So before I bought my house, right, I uh, I was in a district that I was like, I wouldn't let my kids go go to school there. Right. Because like my son was transitioning from the charter school in which I, I'm the superintendent to a school district that I was like, eh, that's not good enough for my kid. And so I had to go and buy a house for his high school years. Right. In order for him to be able to go to a high school of my choosing. So that I knew that he was getting what he was going to get. Now, the taxes on Long Island are crazy, which means that uh, folks have a little bit more power than uh, than they probably should have. Right. And so if you look uh, in terms of like how parents organized on Long Island, it ain't a school district on Long Island that hasn't been open since the beginning mm. of September. Right. Mm. And so that's the difference between when you have. Uh, parents that organize in the inner city and parents that organize in the suburbs. People that are, are organizing out here in the suburbs where it's a majority white area, like, listen, you know, it, it, it's real out here in terms of, like, what you can expect or or the things that you can put on these teachers' unions. And that's they the know. wealth, though, right? Right, yeah, yeah. But they they know, and they don't play games with, pe- with, with, with people out here that, that got bread like that because here's the deal. You, you play games with me, it's like, I'm going to make your life a living hell because I now have the resources in order to be able to do that, right? That bolo so, punch. Right, and the, the last thing you want is, uh, is, is rich folks out here making your life miserable, painting you how you really are in terms of, like, how these teachers' unions operate. And so my last thing I'm going to say is... uh. Uh, Lil Nas X uh, has single-handedly crushed Catholicism in the Black Church with one song. No, he is not. Stop. Just stop it. And you're not even (laughs) drinking tonight, are you? You just, you said that shit straight up sober, didn't you? I'm going to stay focused on the topic. (laughs) Yeah, me too. We better get back on this. I'm not even going to Google to see what that was. Don't waste your time. Don't do it. It'll burn your eyes out your head. (laughs) Make your head turn different. And and I think Nike was quick to be like, we ain't got nothing to do with that. Uh, And I ain't got nothing to do with it on this show. But let me say this. I'm good. I'm not. Yeah. We start trying to, to, to land the plane. We're talking specifically about teachers unions who I think a lot of their power lies in darkness. So you want to, in your local area, bring things to light as much as possible, which means you need teachers unions to be negotiating everything in public. So when it comes time for them to negotiate their contract or any of these things, it can't be closed door. Uh, You know, Aaron Butner or whoever and the L.A. teachers cannot be without the public discussing what's going to happen to all the public's children. That that just that can't go. So first of all, you need stop organizing parents, people stop organizing parents to do just like little things and start actually going where the power really lies. Get parents interested in the information that makes a difference. The school board meetings, the school board agendas before that are handed out before the meetings are even had the teacher contract negotiations so that the public, the clergy, um, parents, they're all hearing what gets said in that room. We get said about your children, we get said about certain schools where they start trying to negotiate things that the teachers don't want to do, but they get to say stuff in private that they know that they couldn't say in public because it would show them for the people that they really are. Right. So we need to like we need a sunlight commission in every district, (laughs) in every place in the country where they will be dedicated to just bird dogging. You also need some friends that are attorneys. Find you a law firm. All my organizing friends that organize parents find you a law firm that will do pro bono work for you and bury school districts in discovery. Just bury them in discovery requests so that you can get all the information of what's going on in that district with special education students, with black students, with discipline, and then get all that information and put it into a community data trust 
that could be used for all organizers and activists to have the information because information is what will win the war. School districts are so good at hiding everything, right? And as a school board member, I learned very quickly that information is the thing that's killing us, right? You don't know half of what's going on. Get you like, listen, if somebody rich is going to give you a grant, have them give you a grant and give part of that to a law firm that is going to be 100%, just 100% on bird dogging the district. Information request, discovery, data request, whatever that they can't ignore, put that into a community trust and, and use that to teach parents what the district is really doing with your kids. And don't let them, especially now, that everything's virtual, do not let them negotiate anything in secret. Make sure that everything is transparent. I would love to see teacher contract negotiations on cable access, right? Just so that everybody can log in and see what's going on and listen. And, and you know what? They will do a good job of changing their language once it gets more public. And they'll still be trying to do stuff privately, but they can't get away with all of it. That That's my, my piece of this. Fellas, do you have any like last things that you would ask of people locally to be looking out for so that we don't just feel powerless and we don't just keep talking about the powers of unions, but we start talking about how we build our own power. Yeah. I mean, I, you said something earlier that ties into, uh, you know, uh, your statement just now. One, you know, understand the history. You know, a lot of time, you know, history of unions, history of unions, interactions with, with black folks. Um, how what is the black blueprint for organizing? You know, what was, what exactly was Fannie Lou Hamer doing? What exactly was Ella Baker doing? What exactly was uh, Septima Clark doing? Like, really look at how they were using things to move to change um, situations, right? And all of that can always apply to different things. It doesn't have to be like always downtown or somewhere else or the white, it could be somebody right in your at your neighborhood school, <laughs> your community school, your district, right? And so those are, are things that, that can, um, you know, change. So I think that awareness, I, I think organize, I agree, like, you know, it, like your time is valuable, you know, you know, no matter what, you know, whatever your circumstances, your time is valuable. And so whether it's like, oh, the school says like, oh, I need you to fundraise two hundred dollars for a bake sale. Right. Or pretzels or whatever. Also look like is that what is your priority? There's nothing wrong with that. But what are your priorities? Really know what are your priorities and who else in that community has has priorities? Thirdly, I would say, like, who's who's the power brokers in your community that's that you have access to. Right. It's not always some of these politicians, they get elected. You can complain to them all you want. Unless it's something that makes the paper and a lot of times the paper, they, they only looking for the big stuff, the big stuff that's going to sell their paper. A whole lot of stuff gets ignored. That happens to your child, the person next door to you, generations before and generations after. So finding those uh, those other folks and, and galvanizing around them, whether they're clergy, faith based institutions, CBOs or a parent, that auntie, that uncle, that that father that that is able to, you know, demonstrate the leadership and knowing that you all have have their back and coming together. And then what are your demands? Like really, instead of a hundred people having a hundred different demands coming together, all right, what are the three things that no matter what, this is what we're fighting for uh, mm -hmm. this particular year, you know, mm -hmm. look at, look mm -hmm. at, you know, like just having that sometimes I think can, people can coalesce around it, you know, shout out to like national parents union who are, who's doing like things like that. And you can see like how they're supporting folks in different, in different, uh, you know, cities and, 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 uh, locales. And we have folks in Philly who are just like, Hey, this is how we're organizing. And they may even be in the union themselves. Right. But they're still saying like, Hey, this is what we're, um, you know, going to fight, fight for. But I would just say, look, if they, if the union told me, my union, when I was a teacher, don't take, don't eat lunch with the kids because, you know, that'll make us look bad. Or then, you know, that, <laughs> I was like, what are you talking? How do you look bad? This is what I'm doing on my lunchtime. Yeah. yeah we don't, don't do anything where they might make all of us do it. Mm. And I'm like, so don't do anything that they may say, hey, that's a good idea. Let's put it in our, I'm like, to me, that's that's like crazy. I, I'm not down with that kind of stuff. And so anybody that wants to be a, a, you know, so student facing, keep doing your student facing stuff. I don't care what nobody says. If it's good for kids, do it. Brief, they ain't want you to teach? 
Yeah, yeah, because that'll make people look bad. You start teaching black children, you're going to look bad. Um, so listen, fellas, this is what I want to do. I want to roll into our final thoughts because we are going to land the plane uh, in a fairly timely manner. But can we roll into final thoughts? Um, some of it, I'm sure you've already been saying in, in these tips that we're giving or whatnot. But make it cogent for your last thought of the program. Uh, we'll start with you, Dr. Cole. Yeah, uh, just starting off, same thing I say every week, parents, students, you are worth more than what you're getting. And I, it don't matter if you got a PhD or a second grade education, like it don't matter how much money you make. It don't matter what mistakes you made under these rules, under these principles that public education is supposed to be standing on. Uh, you deserve a good education for your child. You deserve it. And, and that's the that's sometimes the hardest part to really drop in there. I think the other thing is if you are in a city where the union has been super active, look at everything they do. They give you a, a beautiful blueprint to do all that stuff with them. Drop into their meetings, shut down their meetings. I've been to a whole bunch of, of, of school board meetings that the union has shut down because they didn't get to say what they needed to say. Demand to be heard. You know, show up in groups, right? Like show up in groups, document everything. Um, it's so funny. We're in a time where people can be shamed into anything at this point. You know what I'm saying? And all I'm saying is, again, just because you put pressure on these people don't mean you don't love your teachers. Don't mean that you even got beef with that union. What you have beef with is what is being delivered to your child. This is not about friends, right? This is about protecting your DNA investment. The piece of you that is running outside of your body, living in the world. And they don't need to be made more uncomfortable uh, to protect this body of people where many of them are saying that I can't do my job because of poverty, but yet they signed up to do a job that is in the heart of poverty for many people. It just doesn't make sense. I don't understand. Uh, if I can praise you when you do well, I should be able to also have some thoughts uh, when you tell me about these other things that are just non sequitur to me. So um, I would just leave it there because I know there's a lot of good stuff that these other folks is going to drop. Thank you all for having us as always. Cool. Ray, what's up, brother? So... All right, here's what I want to say. Uh, I said earlier, I dropped a stat. I talked about 7% of teachers nationwide that are uh, that identify as African-American, 1.7% black males. Uh, these unions don't give a shit about y'all. And so anytime, you know, we're critical of these unions and y'all jump out uh, in the middle of the road, just know that they wouldn't jump out in the middle of the road for you. That's the first thing. The second thing is Decatur Public Schools. What the hell is going on in Decatur Public Schools? And just like school boards nationwide, right? There should never be anything in the news that says that someone was uh, awarded the superintendency of your school district. And now you have to pay that person $750,000 for that person never even stepping a date in your buildings of your schools. Stop being discriminatory if you're doing that, right? And make sure that you're properly vetting these candidates that you're bringing in to be superintendents of large school districts because $750,000 can go a long way towards educating kids. Sharif. Yeah, I would I would say, listen, and we've we've talked about this before, like really finding the folks that uh, that rock with you, folks that agree with you. And that some of them are actually in the union. There are folks who are on the inside who are trying to push back. If I had a dollar for every time uh, someone who was in uh, a union who said like, oh, I w this is what's right, but this is what the union calls for or this is what I would do if that didn't stop me. You know what? Some of them would actually go a little further if they knew that people had their back. So at the end of the day, it's organizing, it's communicating. It's really solidifying about what it is that you want and how you're going to protect uh, your children and your neighbor's children. This is a collective. Um, and so I would just say, keep, you know, you've got to fight. we got to push. we got to challenge. we got to demand. And it's unfortunately, you know, I wish I could say it's going to it's an end to it. There is no end to it. <laughs> you know, even when your children leave the school, we need. A, an educated citizenry. And so that means you can't stop fighting for, you know, uh, educational justice. Mm. Well, as always, uh, I think there's a lot of profound things said here today. My bottom line, as I end this, I'll just say what I've learned in the pandemic over this last year is that I'm responsible 
for my children's education in a way that I had never thought of before. I've always believed that education is something as a parent that you have a hand in. But now that the government has like basically shut down in schools and handed your kids back to you and told you, oh, they're going to lose some ground this year. Like, it's just pretty plain about it. Um, that puts you in a position as a parent of like, well, damn, what am I going to do? And it's that what am I going to do that might makes you start looking for friends? Like who, who are my assistants who are going to help me uh, uh, get to this? And I can guarantee you teachers unions ain't one of them. Right. I'm just be straight up. Like most people don't like to be this straight up about whatever teachers unions are not your friends. They don't work for you. They have nothing for you. They don't make anything better for anybody except for teachers. Um, we talk about the school to prison pipeline. We should be talking about the school to prison to the, the, the school to pension to prison pipeline, because it is a it is a it is an industry and they've got the industry on lock. And no one's going to tell you that. No one's going to tell you that they're in meetings every day talking about your kids in ways that you would never want anybody talking about your kids. Nobody's going to be telling you that they're fighting to not have to put teachers in schools that they don't want to be in because they don't like the kids there. They're not. No one's going to tell you that they are killing things that are good for kids, academic things, things um, that would make life better for many kids, different types of kids. No one's going to tell you that. Right. I don't know why we have this like middle class solidarity with each other that we're not going to tell you all that we see in here if it's not affecting your kid because you didn't have somehow moved your kid to safe harbor. But I'm telling you for everybody else, you need friends and assistants that are going to be good facilitators of your child's education and development and intellectual intellectual development. Someone else sitting next to me or somewhere else might tell you that, that these teachers and their unions are actually those good assistants. I'm going to tell you, don't be stupid. <laughs> don't be stupid. Use your gut feeling, choose your assistants. Well, um, and that's all I got to say about the topic. You hear me beating this drum all the time. That's why I'm being here. I've seen some things and now I know for a fact that we are more responsible for our kids' education than we've ever been. And we can't keep doing the Jim Jones suicide pack where we are like doing cultural suicide by joining these things like unions and getting out in the streets and begging for what they're begging for. When, when, in reality, what they're begging for is better jobs, better, better positions. So that's my final word at the end of this show. That's not. And I'll just say that is Chris talking. That is not the eight black hands talking. That is not uh, Sharif or, or Ray or Charles. That's just my my final p- opinion. But I will say this. Share and like our show. Be good friends and fam of the show. Go to our Eight Black Hands page and look at all the other shows that we have. We have shows that are from the educator perspective, the parent perspective, the student perspective. um, And they are lively discussions told through many different cultural lenses. So we would ask for your your support. Also, consider becoming a Patreon. Uh, Charles, how do people find our Patreon? Uh, it is patreon.com slash a black hands or ABH. Uh, so patreon.com ABH and become a patron. Uh, and there you'll get exclusive access to us. Uh, sometimes we'll do an extra show in there. I dropped in an embargo training that will not be out for the public for a while. I know Ray interacts there a lot. Um, there's been book clubs. I know Sharif and Chris have been doing some different things and we're trying to actually even bring you all some more stuff. So if you want to get more access, um, more, more behind the scenes around the, the, the shows and, and, and check-ins and stuff, that's the place to do it. And you'll be joining a pretty dope community if I don't say so myself. So you can find uh, Sharif, the Center for Black Educator Development. You can find Ray, who does. Is it libations with us now, Ray? Did you it's change us. the name? It's us. Yeah. OK, so Ray has a weekly show, Libations with us. And Charles, you should check out his Instagram post, because I think that's where he drops more of his product, like his his trainings, his upcoming things. If you really want to stay in touch with him personally, I don't want to sell it different than you would sell it, Charles. But I think Instagram. You good, brother. It's all good. Yeah, right, Instagram's the best place to, to keep up with what he's doing. Yes. Is that work for you? I think that's cool, brother. It's all, all right. good. I'm, I'm, when I'm in a black. Eight black hands, baby. I think that we've done some just amazing stuff and hopefully we can just do more of it. And just I know you're trying to close, but if you are one of those teachers and it's like the good teachers or whatever, I've seen in some places where that group of teachers has taken over the union. Like you Mm kind of a lot of people don't show up to vote. So Mm -hmm. that should be a whole different episode. We should find some folks that actually flip their union uh, Mm -hmm. because it's happened before. And uh, you up next, bro. You up next. Yeah. Yeah. Well, next week is next week is, is Easter, but we we working on. 
We trying to work on something. Right. So yeah, yeah, we'll work. We'll talk about that so behind. Take, the scenes. So take Charles's advice if you're one of the good teachers, just like <laughs> if you're one of the good police officers or one of the good judges. Uh, right. You, know, you, uh, one one good, of, you one of the good teachers. Yeah, you're one of the good ones. Realize your your ass will disappear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but go ahead and do what Charles is trying to say. Anyway. <laughs> this has been another uh, excellent episode of the Eight Black Hands. We appreciate you as always. Thank you for joining us. You have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Eight Black Hands One. Thank you for listening. <laughs>